Welcome to Technovation, a weekly conversation with people who are shaping the technology landscape. I'm Peter High, president of MetaStrategy, advisor to technology executives, Forbes columnist, book author, and your host. Each episode of Technovation features insights from top executives and thought leaders at the intersection of business, technology, and innovation. If you like what you hear, we'd be grateful if you give us a rating on iTunes or through whatever other source you use for podcasts. And please subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Thank you. My guest today is Swami Kochalakota. Swami is the Executive Vice President and Global Chief Information Officer of S&P Global, a Fortune 500 financial information and analytics organization with revenues exceeding $7 billion annually. In this role, Swami is responsible for driving digital transformation and delivering productivity improvements for the company's customers and employees. Prior to S&P Global, Swami was the Senior Vice President and Global Head of Technology Operations and Infrastructure at Visa. In this interview, we discuss some of the foundational elements of the company's strategic roadmap and how the company is increasing the technology IQ of its employees. We discuss the company's multi-pronged approach to innovation and the venture capital fund inside the company. Lastly, we discuss steps the company has taken over the past few years that helped prepare it for the pandemic, how the company has been able to serve its customers better during the pandemic, and a variety of other topics. This interview features insights from my upcoming book, Getting to Nimble, How to Transform Your Company into a Digital Leader. It's available now for pre-order on Amazon or through gettingtonimble.com. Stick around after the interview to learn more. Swami Kochalakota, welcome to Technovation. It's great to speak with you today. Thank you. Nice to be here. Yes. Well, good. Well, Swami, uh, you are the uh, Executive Vice President and Global Chief Information Officer of S&P Global, a, a role you've had for a little less than a year. The, the EVP part, that is, you've been a, a, the CIO of the organization for more than, more than three. Uh, and I wanted to just ask a bit about your purview as Chief Information Officer. Um, what, what does the role entail at, entail at S&P Global, please? Yeah, before I talk about uh, my role, let me first give you a little bit of an overview of uh, what we do. Perfect. Um, SMP Global is a company that's in the financial information services space, um, and we take a lot of pride in being in the S- providing essential intelligence to our customers. By essential intelligence, uh, I mean, Peter, research, analytics, benchmarks, and data. And we take a lot of pride in powering the markets of the future. Every moment future is arriving and there's a lot of data that we collect at the present moment. And our purpose is to take the data that we are collecting and converting that to essential intelligence for all of our employees and customers. And my specific role in that process is to provide, be the first technologist for the company, provide the technology leadership uh, and all the you know, shared services uh, are part of my organization's so digital workplace, digital infrastructure, uh, all corporate and people technology is part of my organization. And I work very closely with the divisional technologists uh, who are taking the components of what they develop forward. Interesting. So there's there's an aspect of, of the IT organization that is, that is central, but there's also a federated aspect that also that bears in mind or takes into account the diverse a, uh, attributes of S&P Global. Is that a fair way of, of typifying it, Swami? That's correct. And the reason we did that is uh, we're very proud of our operating model, which we transformed over three, four years ago, because we, at an enterprise level, we adopted Agile. Uh, so SMP Global, all the developers that we have really have uh, worked in these Agile teams uh, of uh, 12 or so size, and they work with the product teams, uh, and we kept the business and technology 
as close as possible. That's our model for empowerment. Well, that certainly makes sense. Uh, ensure that you have some aspects of your, your technology team that are close to the business and, and understand their needs, understand the, the customers and so on, and apply technology accordingly while also having some attributes that are shared and common across the entire company as well. Very, very interesting. T- talk a bit about, uh, Swami, if you would, um, the current strategy that you're acting against. Here, we're having this conversation later in, in the year of 2020, and perhaps you're in the process of planning for the year ahead. What, what are some of the things that are um, on your strategic roadmap currently? See, the backdrop of our strategy is our purpose. Uh, it is accelerating progress in the world. Uh, you know, S&P Global is a 160-year-old company, um, and whether uh, we go back to our roots where we're providing a lot of essential intelligence when the railroad industry was uh, forming uh, you know, several years ago, uh, several decades ago, and whether it is from that railroad industry or to the recent ESG and energy transition, we feel that um, we are actually accelerating the progress in the world. That's our purpose. And we are committed to our purpose uh, with a vision and a strategy that keeps all of uh, the, the employees at SMP Global aligned, which is what we call as powering the markets of the future. To my point earlier, the future is arriving every minute uh, and the operating model. So the strategy that we have is powering the markets of the future that allows us to say, what is our core? And let's continue to invest in our core and what are the adjacencies? Um, and then how do we get into the adjacencies? Uh, if you look at our adjacencies, um, there are a couple of things that I can mention. Uh, small and medium enterprises, uh, especially in light of COVID and post-COVID, SMEs uh, contribute a significant portion of the economy, continuing to serve that market and providing a lot of transparency and essential intelligence uh, for the SME space, and also ESG, environmental and social and governance, is a key area for us. I talked about the energy transition and climate. Uh, So we are driving a lot of uh, uh, innovation in uh, getting into those two adjacencies. So with all this core and the adjacencies are powered by various uh, foundational elements of which technology is one, uh, customer centricity is another one, uh, people uh, and how do we carry our 22,000 employees is another one, so our strategy has those uh, foundational elements that powers the markets of the future for us. Well, that makes sense. And it, it's interesting, you mentioned it's a, a company with a storied history, more than a, more than 150 years old and uh, 22,000 people strong. Um, I, I have to imagine though, with an organization like that, that there's a fair amount that required modernization when you took on your role as well. And I know that you've been in the throes of a digitization journey um, talk a bit about uh, what that has entailed and uh, you know, some of the aspects of what you've put in place as a result of that. Yeah, when we first looked at it, um, we said that, hey, what are the trends and what are the key transitions? Um, and then we realized that um, there are a bunch of areas that we feel are these key transitions uh, that, we not, that we have to embark on. And we said that in order for us to navigate uh, and embark on these key trends and transitions, we need to carry our employees. Uh, the first thing that we did, the really the very first thing is, how do we uh, educate our employees and increase the technology IQ? Uh, and we selected that um, about six key areas where we would focus on where the entire organization 
goes through a learning journey. Every two months, we take one particular topic and the entire organization is learning them. Uh, I'll give you a couple of examples from those uh, six topics, you know, artificial intelligence and data science, uh, robotic uh, process automation, you know, how do we do innovation in general, cloud, agile development methodologies, uh, cybersecurity, all these areas, um, every two months, um, we launched content and all of almost all employees had to take the class to a point where after, after launching the initial um, training program, a lot of the employees took it to the second and third level and got certifications. And these tracks are supported by cohort programs, sort of like the uh, Six Sigma black belt uh, programs that we have. Um, we actually take an employee and give them programs and projects that they can run so that they can go through uh, and, and be an expert in that area. I really like that idea, uh, Swami. I know that there are a lot of, of companies that have had challenges as they've contemplated this big topic of digital transformation of, of problems of translation as to what does that mean? What are the you know important key attributes or concepts? And it strikes me, uh, this is a really interesting approach that you've taken to get everyone onto a level playing field. And, and I like that, that you, as you've said, that it's not an IT specific or IT exclusive uh, set of training modules, but rather something that was uh, cast much more broadly across the organization. Was that a, was there, was there much of a sale or sell necessary in order to have something uh, so expansive as that? Or did you find there was a great um, appetite for this level of, of education across the company? There was a, a lot of appetite um, and it can be measured through how our employees embraced it. You know, like many companies, you know, we have like an SMP Global University where any employee can take in any one of the classes. We have multiple uh, training partnerships. But uh, the fact that uh, in a two month window, all the employees are learning a particular topic where when you walk in the hallways, uh, you know, the, the video monitors that we have is talk about the topic. When you're in an elevator, you hear about the topic, uh, change the mindset. Um, and also the initial courses that we design are really designed to inspire people on how, um, uh, you know, how important uh, the topic is to, to their role, to the company and to the industry in general. Well, very smart approach indeed. And I know that uh, innovation is an area of great passion and importance in most organizations, but I know that you, you've you put, you and S&P Global, more generally speaking, have put a lot of thought into innovation, uh, how to inspire it, uh, where it might come from. Swami, talk a bit about your, your thought process around how to foster innovation best in an organization as large and complex as S&P Global. Yeah, so... From, for me, innovation has a cycle where, you know, something as an innovation starts can come from anywhere and it slowly becomes a, a trend and then that drives a transition. In some cases, uh, it's a transformation. And we believe that because innovation can come everywhere, uh, we have a multi-pronged approach for innovation, you know, the small eye, the big eye, um, and looking at externally what's happening. Um, inside the company, we have a mechanism where employees, because we had adopted Agile, we have noticed that um, a technologist and a product and a business person interactions are already native in their day-to-day. -day. So coming up with an idea and exchanging thoughts and idea and then doing a hackathon around it um, is how we facilitate 
internal interaction so that uh, an idea and execution um, can meet um, uh, locally, if you will, and can get prioritized. So we do significant number of hackathons. Uh, we have a mechanism to you know, file an idea and then it goes through a process and we are actually adding new technology that will make it a bit more uh, seamless as well. And then from a top-down perspective, uh, the big eye, uh, like I mentioned, our focus on SME, our focus on ESG, and how do we bring in the AI and data science to what we do to our data is part of the top-down innovation based on the know-how. And a third component is uh, we have to be very uh, close to what's happening in the in, from an in innovation perspective outside of SMP Global. And one of the ways we do is with uh, a venture capital fund that we have, where we look at some early stage uh, companies uh, and we invest in them. So far, we have invested in about uh, eight companies early stage, and a couple of them already went to subsequent rounds. Um, um, that's how we stay close to the innovation, whether it's an innovation uh, in a particular alternative data, it's a particular innovation in the business model, or an innovation from a technology and implementation. And I know uh, another very interesting thing that you've shared with me is that S&P has a venture capital fund associated with the company and something that you were uh, involved with the creation of. Talk a bit about uh, the the logic of having a VC fund within a company like yours and 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 how um, how it's acted so far, maybe some of the fruit of the labor and so forth. Yeah, so a particular uh, example that I can quote is recently we have made an investment uh, in a company called Maestro, Go Maestro, is focused on how do private equity companies manage their portfolio and performance and what type of a data that they need. And we participating in that company gives us insights into how private equity manages their performance and portfolio. Uh, and another company that I can give an example is Ursa, a, a completely alternative way to get um, intelligence uh, from, from satellite uh, radar images. So we're always looking for what, what is a new alternative data that's coming in, uh, what are the new uh, essential intelligence areas uh, from a performance perspective that our customers are looking for. And another one is um, a company called Expansive CBL Holdings Group, uh, where from an, uh, you know, they have a very unique way of using blockchain and AI technology to to, uh, to to do the to do the pricing and so on and so forth. So, as a result of uh, our access to the VC communities and and we also have a partnership with uh, uh, other companies, uh, limited uh, partners, where we invest in them and then they look for innovation uh, and invest in, on our behalf. So, with this multi prong approach, uh, whether it is um, the VC fund where we directly invest uh, with the company. Our limited partners uh, that we invest in, we have a pretty good grasp into how innovation and industry is evolving and where customers are going and where uh, entrepreneurs are going. It's so interesting. And um, I can certainly see the advantages of uh, of creating this, though I'd love to maybe go a little bit deeper into it, Swami, in terms of how do you foresee, was the logic in, as opposed to, for instance, uh, you know, as uh, expanding one's network among the, the venture capital community and, and participating perhaps directly through them or in limited partnership with them in some, some form, what, what did you and your colleagues see as the advantage of creating your own fund uh, in terms of your ability to, uh, you know, go, go through these sorts of investments 
influence the companies that you're investing in to a greater degree? You know, what were some of the the, the rationales in, in uh, going it uh, within the company in addition to perhaps other ecosystem plays you might have? See, what uh, the true north for us uh, is uh, how are we helping our customers? And as we power the markets of the future, how can we part of our customers' uh, uh, workflow and do our customers' customers so that we can be part of their workflow? If we keep that as at the anchor of customer centricity, um, we have to uh, not only understand where we want to go based upon the investing in core, um, get into a decency space. We also have to take a look at uh, where else our customers are going and what other place to look at other than the entrepreneurs and the ideas that they have and then how they're engaging with the, uh, the, the overall financial information services community. And what it gives us is to really give an opportunity to think out of the box a little bit and allow us to be part of that out-of-the-box thinking very, very early on. And in many cases, Peter, some of these investments that we make, they're also partnerships for us that will allow us to take their data and distribute it through our channels. And in some cases, we have a history in acquiring them if the relationship continues to you know, prosper. When, you know, one such example is a company called Kensho, uh, where we partnered with them, we invested in them, and we acquired them. Very interesting. Yeah, I like that. Uh, the multiple levels of the of the value stream that's uh, embodied in these investments. I also wanted to ask you, Swami, this most unusual year, twenty twenty, going through this the COVID crisis and the uh, the economic crisis that is has it has spurred um, the other sorts of unusual aspects of this. I, I wonder if you have any lessons uh, from this period, uh, this grand experiment all of us have been put through of uh, much greater degrees of virtual work, of not collaborating in person together as we once once did uh, so so in such a carefree manner. Um, you know what what are some of the, the the learnings from this period? And I'm especially interested, Swami, in your thoughts about what what um, what are the indelible marks of this experience? Uh, the, those things that even once we return to a new normal, hopefully sooner rather than later, that will likely continue as a result of us having gone through this. Yes, you know, because of the role that we play uh, in the industry, a lot of our customers uh, look for the same things that I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, research, analytics, news, benchmarks uh, during this uh, difficult time. Uh, we were very fortunate that we had uh, a technology strategy four years ago uh, as part of our operating model chain that I mentioned earlier, where we started reinforcing the foundation uh, we closed our data centers. We migrated to the cloud. You know, 84% of our application portfolio is in the cloud. We upgraded all of our VPN infrastructure. Um, all of those things that kind of came in extremely handy overnight. We were able to work from home uh, without um, missing missing a beat. Um, and to a point where uh, I tell the board that it's almost like we've been preparing for COVID for the past uh, three years. Um, but but the question and the time that we are spending right now is how do we return to office and how do we work in this uh, new normal, as you call it, uh, in a hybrid environment? So we're doing a uh, lot of innovation around uh, how to have a nice framework. Uh, so when employees come back, um, they have a safe 
uh, environment to work in and a process that is simple uh, where they know when they need to come to work and how they collaborate uh, uh, with people. But the one that I'm most excited about uh, is what we have, what we call internally as project we imagine. The question that we're asking is in this new normal, how do employees interact with each other? Uh, how does that apprenticeship happen between employees? Uh, you know, when a new employee comes in uh, or when you uh, have, have a new initiative, how do we create these uh, um, spontaneous interactions and what is the role of technology? And we're working with uh, a couple of VCs in the Silicon Valley and some new ways to create these uh, uh, you know, spontaneous uh, interactions uh, that will you know, build that apprenticeship. Um, and then another thing that we also, that I found that uh, we're actually able to serve our customers better um, in, in COVID. You know, first of all, all of our uh, relationship managers uh, and commercial teams uh, can meet more customers, uh, number one, because you're working from home, you don't have to wait in the airports uh, and launches. So, so there's a lot more efficiency, number one. And number two, when we're trying to explain our products to our customers, you know, instead of only one or two people going into the physical meeting, we can now have more than a handful of people come in and explain the products so the customer is able to understand the depth and breadth of the products uh, because we, will, we were able to bring that expert uh, experts uh, uh, to, to the forefront. And the last one I will say is that, uh, you know, there's a long, you know, customers, we have a long tail. They sometimes companies focus on the you know, top 100, top 200 paying customers. Um, we now can serve all of our customers the long tail much better because we now have uh, more efficient means uh, and acceptable, acceptable means of uh, uh, working with them. And we are now focusing on how do we really sustain it um, in this new normal, both on how we serve our customers, where do we work in a safe way, and how do we work to create that um, you know, spontaneous uh, interactions and build the trusted relationships that we need. Well, that's a great, great uh, thoughts and some even some silver linings of this experience. Uh, some some new new ways of operating as a result of being pushed in this direction that might may continue to add value uh, even after we return to some sort of normalcy. Um, I also wanted to ask you, Swami, uh, since you've become the CIO of S and P Global, you've spent more time interacting with the board of your organization, um, as you and I have spoken about in the past. Uh, your board includes a former chief information officer, uh, Rebecca Jacoby, the former CIO of Cisco. And I'm curious what what it's like to have a someone who once sat in your seat, uh, granted for a different company, of course, but but was a chief information officer uh, advising at the board level. What, what is that interaction and that relationship and partnership like? You know, first of all, we're very very proud to have a very diverse board. Um, uh, with uh, ex, uh, extremely good experiences. Uh, you talked about uh, Rebecca Jacobi. We have uh, Maria Morris, uh, who had a similar role uh, at MetLife uh, as well. Um, so they, they guide us. Uh, the good thing about uh, having a board that has gone through similar experiences is that they, the empathy that they have to the challenges uh, and the execution risks, they're very, very familiar with it. So number one, because of the diverse board, when I present to the board, I'm prepared more. Not only I have to prepare about the, the you know, how do I bring the board on? What is the business value of what we're doing? But also the, the risk, the execution. So I get a lot of guidance and coaching and my preparation to the board 
um, is a lot higher level because of the background and the diversity of our board. That makes sense. Lastly, we've we've talked about a number of uh, rising trends that you and the team are focused on. You talked about the six topics like A and I, data analytics, RPA, cloud, agile, cybersecurity, among others. I wonder, as you look uh, two or three years out into the future, Swami, what what are some of the topics? Uh, whether it's a revisiting some of those very topics that you mentioned, uh, or others that you believe to be uh, rising trends that that S and P and Global will likely take further advantage of. First and foremost, uh, we have to make sure that these trends that we are already uh, adopting and the transition that we are going through are at enterprise scale. I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, today, artificial intelligence and data science um, is kind of very deeply ingrained in everything that we do. If we look at uh, some of the product launches that we have done this year, um, whether it is ProSpread or the Port of uh, Rotterdam, and many other things that we have done, the AI and machine learning um, and natural language processing, all of these uh, new age technologies are already part of it. So it's almost like AI is inside uh, in every launch and every product uh, that we're doing. Uh, As we evolve those, we have to figure out how to do AI at an enterprise level, how to do robotic process uh, automation and an enterprise level. Um, these technologies are at a nascent stage uh, in the industry. Um, and we need to understand how do we really scale them? Uh, how do you manage these multiple models? Uh, and how do you refine the models? Uh, because the whole model development uh, is still uh, you know, science today and a lot of experimentation and, and how to do that at uh, scale at an enterprise level where you could reuse um, a lot of know-how that needs to happen there. We're also looking at uh, many other uh, emerging areas such as how do we interact with the data? Uh, What is the role of um, augmented reality and virtual reality? Um, So from from my perspective, there's some significant trends on how do we interact with the data? uh, How do we deal with the data at uh, scale with some of these new age technologies? and on the longer horizon, we're looking at uh, uh, you know things such as um, quantum computing. Uh, what is the role of uh, quantum computing? And more importantly, not necessarily the hardware aspects of quantum computing, but what does quantum algorithms mean uh, to us? Well, uh, great, great uh, perspectives on all of the above, Swami. Swami Kojalakota, thank you so much for joining us today on Technovation. It's been a great conversation, learning a bit about your rise within the organization, the changes that you've you've uh, instituted, the pathways to innovation, uh, the investments you're making in, in interesting startups, and a variety of other topics. Uh, really appreciate you, you taking time with me today. Peter, thank you. It's my pleasure. Thanks for tuning in. Please join me next week when my guest will be Mary Fran Johnson, the host of CIO Leadership Live and the former editor-in-chief of CIO Magazine. This interview featured insights that you'll find in my upcoming book, Getting to Nimble, How to Transform Your Company into a Digital Leader. In an era of unprecedented technology progress and disruption, it's imperative that companies transform themselves to keep up with their digitally native competitors. In Getting to Nimble, I explore how companies, including Capital One, FedEx, CarMax, Domino's Pizza, The Washington Post, Walmart, and others, have modernized their practices related to people, processes, technology, ecosystems, and strategy. And I provide a framework for companies looking to do the same. 
To learn more, visit gettingtonimble.com.